Blackhawks fans, welcome in season five, episode three of the Four Feathers podcast. It's Giannani cracking them here with Ron Luce uh, discussing Blackhawks preseason. We'll pump up, Ron. Pump up. We're close. We're close less than a week till the real deal starts. How are you feeling? I am so excited, Johnny. I cannot wait for hockey to actually mean something in terms of the standings and wins losses and all that good shit. Obviously, I think to us here at Four Feathers, hockey always means something um, as long as it's being played live. And, you know, good game last night. Detroit sucks, as always, and forever. And uh, it's it's just, Johnny, knowing that the next time we are on the microphones after today, we are one sleep away from Blackhawks official Blackhawks regular season hockey is exhilarating, my friend. Right. I'm right there in the same boat with you. I think everybody's, you know, some people kind of uh, talk about the preseason that it drags on and they're just ready for the real deal. And I totally get that. Like you just said, you want you want these games to mean something, whatever. But I think it's also important, like a lot of the stuff we're going to discuss today. There's a lot of roster battles going on. There's guys that might be on the bubble between AHL and NHL going back to juniors. Um, a lot of stuff like that. So I still find preseason entertaining. And it's also um, a good ease in for me because you still get to sit back, have some beers. Watch, watch these guys play. Maybe some guys that you wouldn't see as regularly. But then you also get your mix of stars, too, like Connor Bedard. We've seen him go off in a couple of games now in the preseason, so that's been fun. Um, I'm still thoroughly enjoying the preseason, but as well, uh, I am excited to get going with the regular season. So uh, thank you for tuning in here at Four Feathers Podcast. Make sure you're subscribed on tap sportsnet on youtube press the little bell knowing we go live uh drop your comments in over there on youtube or on the facebook twitter people we love you but we cannot see your comments so once again go over on tap sportsnet youtube and facebook uh to drop your comments and just like our dude skokes he's in here love that guy all right it's Let's get into it, Ron. Uh, talking some preseason action. Uh, we, we've got uh, four games uh, under our belt so far uh, since we last talked because we came on, what was it, last Thursday? I think before uh, things were getting going in the preseason action. So uh, Bedard's played in all but one of them here. Um, obviously, two wins, two losses there. Uh, a little bit of a mix uh, going on. But uh, what have you liked? What, what have you seen so far? You know, Johnny, I think I've just continued. Obviously, the easy answer here is Connor Bedard, right? And you, everybody watching can see my little my little screen thing here. Bedard's pass, right? I mean, that pass last night in the power play was sensational, getting the puck over to Taylor Hall. But I think the, the, the overarching thing I enjoy the most, Johnny, about what we've seen from the preseason, it doesn't matter who's in the lineup. They're playing hard, and you can tell they're playing to Richardson's system. So I think we're going to get a lot of what we enjoyed last year under first-year head coach Luke Richardson, or as you say, Chad Luke Richardson, because, you know, this team, no matter who's in the lineup, they continue to play the same way. It doesn't matter if these guys are 18-year NHL veterans like guys like Corey Perry or if they're rookies like Connor Bedard or Kevin Korchinski or whomever. They've continually played hard all all preseason. Sure, they they've been on the wrong end of some games. Really, just those the the loss over the weekend um, against Detroit was the really the only bad loss that I think they've actually experienced so far. So just seeing them continue to play the system well, Johnny, and especially when these these top guys that we know we're gonna see in the regular season with the Blackhawks, it just seeing them continue to play the system in a way that we have kind of become used to now, one season in under the Richardson regime um, it, it is splendid. And, and that's exactly what I would want to see no matter who's in the lineup. 
from this Blackhawks roster. Right. Yeah. You talked about that. It was kind of interesting because uh, the, the losses that they suffer have been with the depth group, you know, so to yes. say, so, so the, a lot of the guys that eventually were reassigned to the AHL, uh, but before they went down from the training camp roster, got that uh, preseason tilt up in Minnesota on Saturday. Uh, and then another depth group kind of went out to Detroit. There, there was a little bit of a mix and Connor Bedard jumped in with them. And obviously that was the one kind of bad loss that you're talking about there. But like I said, I think it's important uh, to see those guys in action, to see what they can bring to the table uh, because roster cuts are, they're happening uh, almost every day. Go over, check out ontapsportsnet.com, click on Blackhawks section. I have basically every single day a new wave of roster cuts for you there. So uh, you go check out all the specifics on those. But, Ron, we're, we're whittling down to, uh, like, the roster kind of taking shape here. Um, it, we'll, we'll talk about some of those battles uh, in a little bit. But um, when you're talking about this roster, who's, like, stood out to you? I know Bedard's the easy answer, but just give me a few specifics. Who's stood out in preseason action so far? You know, I, I know we had a bit of a blunder in, I believe it was last night's game, if I my timeline is aligned correctly, but I want to say it was last night's game. But he had a really nice goal in Minnesota and that loss up at the um, up in Minneapolis, or I guess it's technically in St. Paul. Nonetheless, Mackenzie Etwistle has been a lot of fun to watch. Uh, a guy that I think is a fan favorite of ours here at Four Feathers, a guy that we have followed for a long time. I think he's stood out and has played really well. I really like what Cole Gutman continues to bring to the table. I know we got a taste of Guts and nuts. Guts and nuts. I I know, you know, I know we got a taste of what he is last season, but I think he's continued and even gotten maybe even a little better, a little stronger, more confident on the puck uh, coming into this preseason. And, you know, I think just overall, Johnny, even though most of these guys have already been assigned to Rockford and whatnot, a lot of these depth, I don't even want to use depth defensemen, young defensemen have played really well, right? I, I think Kevin Korchinski has overall played quite well. Nolan Allen, you know, the, the list goes on and on. Really outside of last six game last night, I think that's the only really memorable bad game we've seen from a young defenseman in this preseason. And I think that speaks a lot to just how much these guys have grown in one or two seasons or three seasons now in the Blackhawks organization. Right. Yeah. It's really interesting. You mentioned like some of those young defensemen. Yeah. I, I do think Alex Flasic, unfortunately, a game like last night is probably something that can send them back down to the A. I'll get another guy like Isaac Phillips. Not that he's been terrible, but you go and look at the other names there. And if they are planning to keep Kevin Korchinski around on the opening night roster, even if it is just for that first taste of like eight games, right? Um, he would be another one uh, to get, you know, kind of cut there. So I've kind of kept my eyes on them like peripherally in the periphery. That's what the word I'm looking for. Words are hard, Ron. Um, Let's let's get to the main topic, though. We we hinted let's at it, it. We touched on it. We teased it. We're eight minutes into the episode now. Let's go. Connor Bedard. Talk about it. I just, you know, it's fun watching him skate around the ice right now, Johnny, because it is a group that's not uber talented, right? So he stands out even more than if he was playing with high quality players right now. Not to say they don't have talent on this roster. I think they do. We are in a significantly better spot, I think, as Blackhawks fans in terms of what we're going to see as a product on the ice this year compared to last season. Let's just call it what it is. But, you know, the amount of of talent that surrounds Bedard, I think for me with with Bedard, Johnny, it's his confidence already as an 18-year-old. And I know he hasn't, you know, he hasn't played a full NHL lineup on a nightly basis yet. I get all, all that stuff. But, like, He's just out there. He's he's doing what Connor Bernard wants to do. He's not bashful. He's not like, oh, you know, I don't know if I can make that play. No, he's just doing it. And 
yeah, sure, his first goal came as an empty netter, whatever. But he is making such an impact everywhere else, right? The pass to Athens CU in, in game one in the for the overtime winner. Last night, the pass, again, referencing back to the, the name tag here, that pass walking up the half wall away from the play with two guys all over him and the other two on that power play shadowed to his side of the ice because they know what Connor Bedard can do. And he kind of just peeks over his shoulder and goes, oh, shit, Taylor Hall's open. He goes, whoop, and flips it through everybody. And Taylor Hall and Corey Perry effectively have a makeshift 2 on o almost in the offensive zone. I mean, it's stuff like that, Johnny, that, sure, I think his goal numbers this year are probably going to be closer to, like, 25 he might touch 30, but 25 is probably the sweet spot for him. That assist number, though, might be stupid this year because I, I, you know, I know everybody highlights the shot as his best attribute. Oh, the shot's great. The shot's great. The shot's great. And sure, it is. It is. Yeah. And right, we know that. Yeah. But like, do not under, like, I, I think fans need to not undersell his passing ability as well because he is not just a shooter. He is a full blown, complete playmaker all over the ice. And I think that that assist on the, on the power play to ultimately was the game winning goal uh, scored by Corey Perry is second of the night. It's that type of play, Johnny, that's going to get people excited to watch this team all season long. It, it was rock star shit. I tweeted out last night, shared it from the highlights uh, from four feathers, tweeted it from my personal, it was rock star shit. That assist. I think you summed it up very perfectly. I'll circle back to the other assist that he had last night then. And it was a comment that a veteran guy like Connor Murphy made after the fact, because it was just, you know, five on five, but face off offensive zone, left circle. Um, it, it was one and Connor Bedard, fires back across the ice to the right point for Connor Murphy. And you just see him have all this open space. And you're like, how the fuck is he so wide open? But he, he you know, has a very nice shot that, that he put on to give him credit. He kind of did a Bedard change of the angle sort of a little bit. 100%. But in any, you know, just roofed it. So it was a great shot. But afterward, the way that he was talking about it, he's like, well, you know, the reason why I was able to have that much time and space is because the defense overplays the overshadow on that side of Bedard. And you saw them exactly do that same thing on the power play, play that you referenced. So it's stuff like that, uh, just feeding into um, what you talked about with the playmaking ability there. That's really impressive, and, and I'm excited to see it. And then you've got the stone-cold killer mentality. Hey, he didn't even crack a smile after scoring that empty net goal. Um, this kid has TWTW. He, he talked about it in the media sessions where, uh, you know, he just hates losing, whether it's in ping pong, you know, darts or whatever it is that he's playing, obviously, in hockey. And then, you know, how, how do you, you know, exhale after something like that? I think it was Ben Pope that asked him that. And he said, just win the next game. That's TWTW right there. Yeah. And like you said, I'm going to rehash exactly what you said a little bit earlier, Johnny. That is rock star shit. It's that type of stuff that separates the the great players from the generational players. Right. And I, I think I, I said this last night. I was so for those that might not know here at Four Feathers, you might only listen to Four Feathers. And if you do, we still love you. Appreciate you. But we hope you listen to all of our on tap shows. I was talking to my co-host over at Cubs on tap after our show last night, Mr. Juice. And he he's he's a, a very I call him an elementary hockey fan. Right. He's he'll watch, but he's not as invested as myself and Johnny and Tony are here at Four Feathers. And he asked me, he said, sum up in a handful of words to me what you think Connor Bedard is. And I was like, I'm like, you know, I was like, Juice. I would, I would probably be dragged to the gallows and hung for this take. But if all plays out the way it could, when we talk about greatest players in franchise history, it'll go 98, 88, 19. 
Right. And that's reaching full potential and having the yeah. accolades. But right. yeah. And like, but that, but that's the talent level, right? Like we've seen greatness come through Chicago. I think that's what it's trying to highlight. We've seen greatness. He starts to tickle on that, on that fine gray line of like a next level of greatness that admittedly, I don't think the Blackhawks franchise has seen since the days of Bobby Hall and Stan Makita in their era, right? right? Like they were extraordinary players for their era. We've never seen that. Sidney Crosby, Connor McDavid level player on the Blackhawks in the post 2000s. Obviously Kane is Patrick Kane and Patrick Kane is extraordinary, but like the, just it's, it's that mindset that Connor Bedard has, like you said, kind of that almost like killer instinct to him a little bit where he just wants to win. And it's something that over at Cubs, we see with a guy like Dansby Swanson and maybe he's not the same talent level of a player, obviously for a sport, but when you got that guy that just that T like you said, Johnny, the TWTW, watch out because if he's doing this shit at 18, imagine what he's gonna start doing once he's two and three years into the league and knows how the NHL is played. Right. It's gonna be crazy. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a good summation of it. So um obviously he's gonna be the headliner of these shows all year, but while we're still here in training camp in preseason, we, we still got a lot to talk about. Um, I want to start off with some injuries because this will bleed into our discussion about the roster, Ron. Um, health situation, nothing too, too major regarding Ryan Donato. You scratched last night, groin ailment. He was back on the ice at practice today. Athena, see you out with an illness yesterday. Back on the ice at practice today. However, this is where it gets interesting with the roster. The other ailment that is running possibly a little bit longer here is Philip Kershev. Um, I believe he tweaked the wrist in that first preseason game against St. Louis last Thursday. Um, he had not been on the ice for practice, missed a couple of days. Um, and Luke Richardson said on Tuesday, here we are on Wednesday, October 4th, recording this, by the way. Um, Luke Richardson said on Tuesday, probably about a week until he's back You know, in the mix. Uh, he did skate on his own prior to today's practice. However, we're looking at, just under a week until the pre uh, the actual regular season starts run because that's next Tuesday at Pittsburgh. Very good chance that Philip Kershev is not ready to go on opening night. That leads me to a question. Who do you think fills in lineup wise and does this open a spot, even if it's just a minor couple of game stretch for another guy that's on the bubble, so to say, to make this roster? I think it will open up a spot for a guy that's on the bubble I'm in, I'm just interested to see how the lineup takes shape because Johnny, I think right now the top six is not entirely solidified. I was just going to say that because the original top six included Philip Kurashev, right? Exactly. And that's where I was going. So your original top six that we've seen so far in training camp is Hall, Bedard, Donato. And then that second group is Athanasiu, Reichel and Kurashev. And Philip has looked really good. That line was together at the end of last season. They've looked really good again this year together. I think it'll be interesting to see because my humble opinion says somebody gets elevated to that top six spot while Kershev is gone. But that doesn't mean that a guy like Mackenzie Entwistle or a guy like a Boris Kachuk or a guy, you know, like uh, even maybe like a Joey Anderson who's still kind of sticking he's, around. He's very much the definition of bubble player right now. Yeah, like I, I think one of those guys could get a look probably for the first two games because they play back-to-back games to start the season. You've got Pittsburgh on Tuesday, Boston. I believe it's Boston on Wednesday. And then you've got until Saturday when they play again in Montreal. 
to me, Kershev's back from Montreal if he's truly a. If all goes player. well here, yes, on that absolutely. one week timeline, yeah, absolutely. So I, I think it's going to give somebody an opportunity for two games to make an impact because this isn't you playing against bubble NHL players anymore like it is in the preseason. This is you playing against a a pretty good Pittsburgh Penguins team who made a lot of moves this offseason and is is really trying to still win in the Crosby Malkin Latang era. And then you've still got a really deep Boston Bruins team who was all, all outer worldly last year. So I think it's it's going to create an excellent opportunity, probably in a bottom six role for one of these guys. Cause I think a Tyler Johnson or a Taylor Radish gets elevated there you to go. fill in for Kurashev for the time being. But I, I definitely think it's an opportunity for a guy like Mackenzie Entwistle, for example, to it's a two game tryout to stick around a little bit longer in the NHL. That's some four feathers telepathy here going on because I was just about to mention those two guys. Uh, Taylor Radish, Tyler Johnson is guys to step up into that um, second line wing spot that Kershev would be vacating should he miss the start of the regular season. Once again, not hashtag confirmed here, but given timelines that we've heard, you know, it's kind of, you know, if it's going to be, they don't want to commit to something they'll usually say day to day. So for Luke Richardson to actually put on about a week on that, saying that as of yesterday, it sounds to me he's not suiting up on uh, next Tuesday in Pittsburgh. So that's just where we're at in terms of injuries. Then another one here, you know, a guy that we probably would talk about in this bubble, but he just hadn't been there is Colin Blackwell. So I think this is a very much open season on injured reserve case for him. He's hadn't been at practice at all. Yeah. I mean, the way it's starting to kind of feel right now, Johnny, we might not see a guy like Colin Blackwell until closer to do, November. At do we need to, do we need to open up an investigation? Where is Colin Blackwell? Cause I see him on Instagram, like, you know, going for like a run on the beach with like his uh, wife playing with a dog, you know, like, like the, you know, the Hawks win and then like, post something on Instagram and he'll like that. So he's very much like active. I haven't seen him around. I haven't heard any reports on him since September 22nd. I went back and searched all the beat reporters tweets from practice. I haven't heard anything about him since, Ron. Do we need to open up an investigation? What's going I, on with Colin Blackwell? I think we do need to open <laughs> an investigation. and I, But I think it's for the sake of if if they believe he still needs to heal, because you mentioned, right? right. Sports hernia beach. surgery. He did. Yeah. That was, yeah. If, if it's, you know, if he's, because he had that surgery later in the season last year. It wasn't like early, early in the, you know, October, November. And hernia surgery is hernia that, surgery. It's, it was like end of March, yeah. Yeah, so... I think this is a situation where they might have been like, hey, Colin, you're still here. We're not getting rid of you or anything, but you 100% are starting the season on IR. So, like, if you want to go take a week and go to the beach with your your wife and have a good time for a little bit and just heal, do that. And that could be exactly what's going on here. My hypothesis, Johnny, I, I don't have a schedule up in front of me, but it's one game I know for sure. I would be looking at that November 4th game against the Florida Panthers as like a potential return for a guy like Colin Blackwell. And that's assuming he starts skating in probably the next two weeks. Like, I think he's got to be on the ice by I'll say like October 18th. If he's going to be back for that November 4th game, if not, I mean, this could bleed into the middle of November that we don't see Colin Blackwell. And again, like you said, Johnny, it's not like he's just not here because something's going on behind the scenes. The guy had surgery in late March. So right. Yeah. I just healing. It'll, I, it'll hopefully be good. I just wonder, and the only reason we have to have Four Feathers investigates these kind of segments is because hockey is so vague. Hockey terminology mm-hmm. is so vague because you get you, like, the official injury. update, and I remember I can go back and find the press release from last end of March, crack them, and just given the timeline, and it would have been putting him to skate even well before training camp on his own if yeah. that timeline would have helped. 
Now, obviously, there can be other complications, things that you don't know. But then it just comes up first day of training camp, uh, lower body, along with Taylor Hall and Jalen Lupin at the time, right? And that was it. That's all you've heard. Nothing mm-hmm. says then that, that's about it. So that's why we do. That's why we do this here. We're here for the people to investigate at Four Feathers here. Okay. Um, let's move on to a couple of, we, we kind of talked about depth forwards there. I think we handled that one pretty well. Um, and I think we did touch on this a bit last week, but we're getting closer. Kevin Korchinski is still here. He has not been cut. He's still around. Um, it's looking more and more and more like he is going to make the opening night roster, which is exciting in and of itself. However, going back to our points from the past weeks, you need to be careful in how they handle the situation, Ron. Explain why. Yeah, 100%, because you don't want to rush, especially a defenseman to the NHL. Defensemen take longer naturally to develop than forwards do. And, you know, I think Kyle Davidson, and I think a lot of Blackhawks fans have learned from the last five years or so that when you rush a top draft pick to the league, sometimes it doesn't work out, i.e. Kirby Doc. So, there's no need to rush him. I, I think they want to give him the taste of the NHL, Johnny. I really do. I think it's a situation where they're going to say, hey, come up, play eight games, which kind of sucks if you think about it because that means that he's only going to be at the United Center for probably like three games before he gets sent back because of the amount of road games to start the year. But he's probably going to come up, get that taste of the NHL. He's going to probably play next to a guy like Connor Murphy who's going to be able to bail him out in situations if he's a little aggressive. They, they want him to play his game. They don't want him to be a player that he's not. But it's going to be that eight, you know, seven, eight games, whatever it is, sample size that they say, okay, here's what you did well, here's what you didn't do well. Keep doing what you did well, but go work on the things you didn't do well in Seattle this year. And he, he's going to go dominate in Seattle. He's going to be uh, uh, well above a point-per-game player in the WHL. He's going to be leaps and bounds ahead of most of those guys that are out there that he's playing against. And then, Johnny, we could quite frankly see him at the end of the year. If Seattle doesn't go on a long WHL run like they did a year ago, right? we could see him at the tail end of March and into April for a handful of games to see how far he's come. And then they're going to have their eyeballs set on next season that he makes that full-time NHL leap as an everyday NHL defenseman. But I think we're going to get a taste of Kevin Korczynski, but you certainly don't want to rush him. But that being said, if he comes up and looks good and doesn't look out of place, I remember when Gustav Forsling first came up and people were shocked how well he played kind of out out of the jump. If Korczynski does something like that, I mean, we could see him stick around even longer than those nine games. And the the team might just say, hey, we have no problem burning a year of his entry-level deal because – Right, they I'm, did it with Lucas Reichel. Why not do it with Korchinski? I'm not too concerned about the ELC. I don't. I don't have many qualms about that. It's only for the sake of development, not overexposing him. That that's just where I went and, and just mm-hmm. cut back to our episode from last week. And you can't you just be patient with defensive prospects, especially. It takes a while on that development. Be patient, and you don't. The worst thing you can do rush him through, have him overexposed, and then crush confidence and possibly cost a couple of years of what could have been solid, you know, NHL service time, especially for defensemen. We talk about defensemen getting old at like age 28, right? Got to utilize these years and maximize them as best you can. So I just like to be him as soon as he gets here and is full time to be the best version of himself that he could possibly be. That's where my uh, kind of take on Korchinski is. And I do like Luke Richardson said, I want to say it was maybe week and a half ago or so and he did comment on you know the potential of using him and you know what they would do in a tryouts not tryouts and but you know uh first taste stint at the beginning of the year there may be a situation where he plays one night and then he scratched for the next two 
and it's a little bit until he gets back in there. That might be frustrating to fans. They just want to see the young guns play. But who knows? Maybe that is a little bit beneficial for him, seeing a couple games up in the box at that speed. Um, you know, obviously, you got to have some coaching going on along with that. Um, but I would just say, through all of this, my, my biggest thing would be for Blackhawks fans to be patient with him. You'll get enough juice up front. Connor Bedard's going to be here. There's no question about it that, you know, that he's full-time NHLer right now. Korchinski is more on that ledge there to where I would say exercise some patience. It'll all work out in the long run, but let the process play out. So yeah. let's move on from Kevin Korchinski. Talk about culture. Our guy Nick Felito was at it again. Ron, I love this guy. He is going to be probably a mainstay on the hashtag culture section here. How about him giving it to Clem Costin last night and his explanation for it? I think there was a language barrier, so I wanted to let him know that I was pissed off with him. That is great. That is, I love, I love this guy so much already. Well, and you know what, Johnny, I, I know a lot of people when Kyle Davidson was making those moves around the deadline or pardon me, not the deadline, the draft. And we're like, why are we bringing in these old vets and we're overpaying them and all this stuff? This is why these are guys that are going to help establish that hashtag culture that we, we preach and discuss here on four feathers, but they're also going to help instill that hashtag culture in a guy like Connor Bedard and a young player like Kevin Korchinski and a young player like Lucas Reichel. These guys are here to a set an example of leadership in the locker room. Believe it or not, yes, Corey Perry. Crack him for the culture. Crack him for the culture. Corey Perry, you know, Nick Foligno, Taylor Hall, like they're all here to to help establish that from a veteran presence. But guys like Nick Foligno and Corey Perry are also here to remind teams that if you get really stupid and try to do something to one of the young guns, you're going to pay for it. And Nick Foligno, Chicago loves just, I don't want to call, he's not a shitbag. I noticed some other teams. Shit disturber. He's a shit, shit disturber. Disturber is a good word for it. I, well, it Andrew Shaw was a shit disturber. Yeah. If you ask, if you ask Pittsburgh Penguins fans from his time in Columbus, Nick Foligno's a shit bag, but that's neither here nor there. Right. <laughs> Nick Nick Foligno is here to stir shit up, just as you said. He's a shit disturber, and that is going that is going to be something that I think Blackhawks fans absolutely love. He's here because of the leadership. We've heard it from from Richardson all throughout training camp the leadership he's bringing to the locker room. Now you're starting to see that little gritty side that he's going to bring on the ice. Right. So we saw that in the example of him, you know, kind of, you know, shoving Costin around. And then, uh, you know, we saw him stick up in the very first preseason game too. both him and Perry uh, kind of went uh, and jumped someone who hit Martin Mishiak at the time. Um, so you see that on the ice and you see the kind of stuff during practice and he's helping, you know, direct guys in terms of defensive positioning and all that. We talked about that in our first installment of Nick Foligno and hashtag culture last week. Um, but I, I like the outreach with the fans, whether it's, you know, indirect or whatever. He still got to talk to the media about it, and he could just easily just brush it off, give the stock hockey answers, you know. But, no, he, he explains exactly what it is. And he's like, you know, he's like sometimes you just got to, you know, flip a switch and all this. And he's like, oh, I had to let, you know, Costa know that we, we've seen what you're doing out there and we're taking notes. Like th- that kind of shit, being able to, like, relate it then. Then we can come here on this podcast and talk about Nick Foligno leading the hashtag culture of the Blackhawks here. I, I love it. He, he's he's great. Nick Foligno is already one of my favorites so far. Is he – is. Is he, Johnny, going to rank up there with the Sam Lafferty's of the world uh, as one of your favorites? I think so. You know, Sam Lafferty had his own qualities about him, um, especially he had had a lot of speed, too. So, like, you get those random, like, bursts of, like, you know, offensive, like, flashes, too, that I think kind of endeared you to him more. But he he was always gritty, hardworking, Mm -hmm. all that stuff. Nick Foligno is going to be in the same sort of realm there, uh, penalty killing, playing sound defensive hockey, helping his teammates out defensively. Remember Sam Lafferty went on that? 
like run of three straight games at the shorthanded goal or something at the yep. beginning of last year. Um, I don't know if Nick Felino is going to do that. I don't think he has a breakaway speed for that, but he's going to, like I said, play smart, play veteran, play sound, uh, and jump in and be nasty when he needs to. So they are both TWTW players at the end of the day. And that's, that is why Johnny Nani absolutely loves Nick Felino. Yeah, I like it. Let's move on. I know we touched on it earlier, but I, we're, we're in the culture section, hashtag culture section of this episode, Ron. I got to mention Connor Bedard again, just because he just, I think he hates losing more than he likes to win, which mm-hmm. honestly, I think that's a good attribute to have. It is. It, it's, it's probably for a lot of people, a little bit of a sick and twisted thing of like, wow, you hate losing more than you actually enjoy winning. And it's like, well, yeah, but that's, that's the competitor in him. That is just that Uber competitive player. And you have to be that Uber competitive when you're an elite athlete. If you don't have that competitive edge to you, you're never going to reach your potential as a player. We, we see it time and time again, right? Even just like when you were growing up, Johnny, and when I was growing up, people that we went to school with had all the talent in the world, but just didn't give a fuck and they didn't want to work. Ooh, now we got to mark the explicit. Sorry about that. But, <laughs> you know, they just don't care. Connor Bedard cares so much to the point that he hates losing more than he likes winning. And for that alone, like you said, Johnny, you nailed it on the head. It's a good attribute to have, especially for a young player where usually guys like that don't, don't start establishing that until a little later in their careers. Johnny, dare I say that almost gives me Jonathan Taves vibes. as a young Right. Player, yeah. It, it's, you know, they talked about step up and earn it for captaincy. And sure, it's not happening this season. They're already established. They're not going with captain this year. But he stuff like this, continuing that, staying healthy, not being a jag off in the locker room, he will be on the fast track to becoming that next captain. So I'll leave it at that. Wanted to include him in culture here because, hey, we like TWTW. Connor Bedard seems to have it so far. Um, all right. We've got, we've got a couple of segments that we're bringing back around. I think we've done it before, but ruffle some feathers, uh, something that might be a little spicy in Blackhawks land. I posted a meme late last night because it was a home broadcast. Um, you had Chris Foster's on the call. Kaylee Chellers is on there, too. Um, obviously, Blackhawks when people are excited about it. But I posted a meme, and it was just kind of mocking one of Chris Foster's phrases, and I'm sure everybody's heard it, but it's, you know, he shoots and a score and a score. It just kind of, it hits my ears wrong. I made a meme about it. Like, you know, the two guys looking out the different sides of the bus. Mm-hmm. So I put hockey season on like the happy side and then Chris Foster's and a score on the other side. So if you interacted with that, thank you for sharing your opinion. I was just sharing mine when I made that just kind of screwing around after the game last night. Uh, but I want to just be clear. It's not that I absolutely despise Chris Foster's sure. Pat Foley's a legend. It's hard to fill those shoes, all of that stuff. But it's not that I don't dislike Chris Foster. There are some things they'll say it can be witty, can be funny, whatever. It's that specific call hits my ears wrong. So I just wanted to explain that. that that's the purpose that ruff, ruffle the feathers here. Ron, just give a quick take on that. You, you've done some announcing yourself. It, it did ruffle some feathers, Johnny, because that was very heavily interacted with. And again, appreciation everybody that did interact with, with that. But Yeah, Johnny, you know, sometimes I I think, you know, you and I were talking a little bit in the pre-show here, and I mentioned it. I think when it's like the away team scoring, you know, and guy gets it to the front of the net and a score. Like, oh, okay, whatever, you know, because it's a little less enthusiastic. Oh, and a score. Like, I didn't see that going in, you know. Oh, there was a shot from the point. I didn't expect that to tip in. That's a situation where I don't think it's as weird. But, like, I think it's because – because hockey is a sport like baseball, like basketball, where it's not exclusively national on a week-to-week basis, you have the home announcer 
part of what makes it unique, right? Yeah, you almost you want to almost maybe a little more energy. I think that's where it is, and it's a that's a hard call to just give energy to, right? And, it's and a, a score, game. and it's it's, fa- it's fast game too. Uh, sure, give, give him that, but you're sure. right. Like you said, he it's, scores. <laughs> yeah, and a score. It sounds. I think it's the and part that trips everybody out because yeah. it's like. I think it's weirder, especially when you isolate it too yeah. and like just yeah. nail it down a little bit. Cause like in, in the moment, like you said, right. It's a fast game, things like that. But when you do just isolate it and a score and it's like, and four score and seven years ago, <laughs> it just, it just hits the ears wrong for a hockey call. And like I said, we have been spoiled with Pat Foley for years and he, you know, he's mastered the craft and sure. Boston's can still grow into it. I, saw all the comments that came in from that and people that said that I totally understand. I get where you're coming from on there, but it still doesn't change the fact that my brain computes it and says, that's a little weird when he says, and a score. So that's where I'm at with that. That's ruffle the feathers for this week. I'm sure we'll be back with some more uh, next week. Last segment before we wrap it up and look at what's on tap next run salt shaker new to four feathers pod this year. Um, This is the first time we're doing it. And our guy, Tony, who is could not make the show with us here tonight, but he kind of came up with this. I kind of helped refine with the name here, but he made the first installment of it. First installment of the salt shaker here at four feathers pod. Uh, And it was, Connor Bedard, it's an edit. Go and look at at Four Feathers Pod uh, on Twitter. We'll post it to the Instagram too. But whenever you see a take that's very salty about Bedard, because you can tell they're trying to like degrade him because they're just jealous they didn't get him and all that kind of stuff. It's a great picture. Connor Bedard just pouring salt right down onto it. So we'll quote tweet whatever one it is. And he's just pouring salt right down onto their take. And it was a Red Wings podcast, and they'd said like, "Oh, look, Connor Bedard can't even score. Uh, you know, can only score when there's an empty net." And that was a perfect time for that to break it out. So um, if you see any also, our followers, we love you. Um, go just tag us at Four Feathers Pod, you know, in that. And we will drop the Connor Bedard salt shaker on them. 1000%. It's all I have to add to it, Johnny, is it's, it's an elite meme. And I cannot wait to see its usage this season. Yeah, right. Uh, you know what? I'll give, if I can, I'll give the people a little preview of it here. This is what it looks like. It's hard to see. Uh, I'll get a better feed of it there. But see that salt shaker dropping down onto it. So yeah, It'll be good stuff. Um, you know, if you're listening to the podcast version of this, go and check us out over on YouTube at ONTAP Sportsnet. And at that 34, eh, just before 35 minutes, that, that's where I held that up to the phone. If not, score over to Four Feathers Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, we'll post it there. Ron, we're wrapping up here. Season five, episode three of Four Feathers Podcast. Nice Hawks happy hour discussion with you. Let's take a look at what's on tap next. Couple preseason games left on the docket Thursday at home, Saturday on the road at St. Louis. Tuesday is the regular season opener at Pittsburgh. Last two preseason games. Quick, what are you looking for in those? Uh, well, Thursday's game, we know we will see Connor Bedard. That was announced on Wednesday that he will play. That was in fact, ha- at hashtag the confirmed. Hashtag confirmed indeed. So, uh, Johnny, I would be lying to you if I'm not trying my damnedest to get to the United Center tomorrow night. Hopefully we can get some on-site for others content for the listeners and the followers. Um, but that one tomorrow, tomorrow's 
lineup is going to look very similar to what their opening night roster is going to look like. That is just how they do it. The last home game is always that way. And then all the kids that aren't going to make the roster, they get sent to St. Louis on Saturday and guys that are bubble players and things like that. And it's going to be less of the stars on Saturday against St. Louis. Ron, you know, what's interesting is that they've made all these roster cuts. I believe we're down to 30 as, as we hopped on this episode today, unless they made one from now from the start of the episode till now, I think we're down to 30, but I think they might have to do the old paper transaction where they technically recall some of those guys they already sent down to Rockford, recall them from their camp, get them to go down and play in St. Louis, and then they reassign them immediately after the game. Because they can still do that. You're still yep. in training camp. You don't need to cut down your roster completely yet. Um, but they already did make those initial paper transactions just to get those guys into Ice Hogs camp, guys like Nolan Allen, right? Um, there's mm-hmm. plenty of other guys that we had talked about earlier in the show. Um, so th- that's always kind of funny to me. They, they get that. It's like, oh, yeah, it's like technically they're recalled, but it's like we all know the end result of that. Yeah. So I would imagine just, that's a group that goes to St. Louis. Yeah. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. You'll see a lot of the youngins. I think you'll see a couple of the guys that will be on the opening night lineup. Uh, I think there'll be a few of them, probably more depth guys than anybody else. Um, but overall that's, that's what it's going to be Johnny. And, and then uh, the countdown begins from Saturday to Tuesday and we get a uh, opening night hockey with the, uh, with the Chicago Blackhawks, three games only on opening night. The Hawks are one of them. Um, it is on ESPN two or not ESPN two, but ESPN as well. For those that uh, are curious and concerned, all the opening night games on the 10th are on ESPN and ESPN plus. So be, be sure to note that you will not be tuning over to NBC sports Chicago for those. So Johnny, I'm just excited. I'm ready. I'm like I said, I'm hoping to get to the UC tomorrow night and and get to see Connor Bedard in person once before the regular season starts. If not, ladies and gentlemen, we uh, begin our countdown here at four feathers and the next time, like I said at the top of the show, you hear from us. Uh, we'll we'll be getting ready for that regular season hockey. So right. I'm pumped. Yeah, I am as well. I'll close down to just a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, Ron, you had mentioned that um, with those games being on certain networks, especially at the beginning with some national TV games, I will repost it. So make sure you're following us at Four Feathers Pod and at ONTAP Sportsnet on uh, X, Twitter, whatever they're calling it today, and on Facebook and then Instagram as well. Um, But we will reshare that. Like I did a whole kind of grid breakdown of when – uh, each game is on what channel um, for the whole entire 82 game season. I'll reshare that out from my personal two there at Nani Johnny um, and from the four feathers on tap Sportsnet. So make sure you're following us over there. Uh, and as always subscribed on YouTube at on tap Sportsnet and uh, check out on tap Sportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs run. That about does it. This is the last preseason pump up here. He said we'll be kind of on regular season Eve next time we talk. Until then, let's go Hawks. Let's go Hawks, baby.